This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. And welcome to another edition of the Bartholomew Town Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Bartholomew. From our Providence, Rhode Island studios, I sit down with pollster Joe Fleming. Joe Fleming is a Rhode Island political pollster who's been surveying the Ocean State's electorate for decades. A retired educator, Mr. Fleming operates his own public opinion research firm and recently released his latest Rhode Island gubernatorial and United States senatorial polls in conjunction with WPRI and Roger Williams University. And we are less than one month away from the general election. Can you believe it? What a journey it's been so far. But we have tons more coming for you. Over the next month, we'll have several episodes per week. So be sure to subscribe to the Bartholomew Town Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you consume content. Some great stuff already recorded and some exciting guests on tap. Look out coming direct from Bartholomew Town to you. And be sure to follow me on Twitter at Bill Bartholomew for all things Rhode Island politics and media. All right, let's get right to it. Rhode Island pollster, Joe Fleming. All right, so we are here at the loft with pollster Joe Fleming. We are getting close. We're like a month away from the election, basically. Um, You know, things in some ways haven't changed too much in the last four years as far as the, the picture in Rhode Island, the political picture at the gubernatorial level. But uh, Joe Trillo expected to make a big announcement today. We've seen him dispute some of your numbers. Where do you think the, gu- the gubernatorial race sits right now? Well, the race uh, sits basically, we did a poll about two weeks ago now, and we had the governor up by seven points. The one thing you have to keep in mind about a poll is just a snapshot in time of that day. People's opinions change over time. So what it was two weeks ago could be different today. I mean, think back to 2008, Barack Obama. Nobody knew who he was when he started running. He was very, like, 1% in the polls. He became the two-term president. So people's opinions change and evolve as the campaign goes on. I think you're seeing now the campaign really heating up. We're down to under five weeks. The candidates are really going heavy with TV advertising. They're really trying to get their message out. So I think people's opinions are going to really start to focus in a lot more now. So there could be some changes in the election between now and November. And the most recent poll that you conducted, what's what's sort of the survey? What's the amount of people that you you reach out to, and how do you conduct that poll? Okay, the last survey we did um, was um, for WPRI TV, Roger Williams University. It was a sample of 420 Rhode Island registered likely voters. Uh, we interview them um, on the phone, landlines, and cell phones, and we ask them a the series of questions. We screen them for age, sex, political party to make sure we get the right mixtures into the sample. Uh, it's a statewide sample that's drawn uh, throughout the whole state, so everything's represented equally. We don't have like half the sample from Warwick or half the sample from Cranston. It's all divided based on the population in the state of Rhode Island and the number of registered voters. So that gives you a margin of error of 4.78% in a survey of that size with the population that we have in Rhode Island who are registered voters. And is that similar to how you've conducted the previous polls that were released earlier in the year? Similar yes, sort of scope? The, this, this year, all the polls are 400 samples. Mm-hmm. Uh, some years we do 500 samples. That makes the margin of error slightly uh, smaller. The thing to keep in mind with the largest sample, it makes your subgroups have more validity. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, for example, if you're dealing with age groups, and if you have a 400 sample, some of the age groups could be a little bit smaller. When you have a 500 sample, they're a little bit larger, so your margin of error is less, and it means more when you have bigger subgroups. When you have smaller subgroups, keep, you might see a number, and you might say, oh, we're not doing well in this area, but the sample's so small, it really doesn't mean that much. 
Right. And polling is one of the areas of, that actually puts the science in political science, you know, the process that you go through. And also yep. the fact that, you know, there is the opportunity to disprove something going right. forward. What's your take on, you know, through your years of experience, your method now, you feel like you've got something that we, is pretty we've accurate. We've been polling in Rhode Island 30 some years now, uh, mostly Rhode Island. I do very little out of state. Uh, so I have a pretty good idea around electric. I have an idea of people's opinions. Uh, I know if I get data and it doesn't make sense sometimes, I have to look at it and see what's going on with the data, see if there's a problem with the sample or whatever. Uh, but I have a pretty good handle on Rhode Island. Our polls have been fairly accurate. Uh, in 2014, we did one poll in the governor's race in the early October, and we had the governor, Gina Raimondo, ahead by like 5.2%. She won the race by 4.5%. That was the only general election poll that we did in 2014. We did a Providence mayor, and we did some primary polls for Channel 12 at that time. What other um, – do you have any poll, polling data on any other races right now that's, that's – The other to- race that we polled for WPRI-TV, uh, Roger Williams, was the U.S. Senate race. And um, Sheldon Whitehouse had about an 18-19 point lead on Bob Flanders. Again, uh, Senate race is very tough in Rhode Island. Um, the only Republican senators we've had from Rhode Island in many, many years were named Chafee. Uh, John and Lincoln. So, I mean, it's very tough for Republicans. Bob Flanders has to really get moving over the next few weeks to really define himself and try to make a contrast between him and Sheldon Whitehouse. We had um, Senator Whitehouse over 50%, which is a key mark. If you're an incumbent, you want to stay over that mark, you're in pretty good shape. So, I mean, but Bob Flanders is at 35%, so he is within striking distance if he can move some of the White House numbers away from him. Right. Looking forward, do you, what do you think, you know, is the next poll that you conduct, do you are you anticipating any movement? Do you anything I, you've seen in the I last never, weeks? I never really guess uh, because sometimes you think something's going to happen. You get the poll results, say, "Wow, that's not what I expected." You know, I think there's going to be other polls by other organizations coming out in the governor's race between now and November, also. So that's good. I like to see more polls in the state so you get a better idea of what's going on. Uh, but I don't try to guess what the results are going to be. That's bad. Uh, because people's opinions do change. And sometimes you don't see that right away. Uh, back in 2010, when we had the three-way governor's race, and Lincoln Chafee won it, but uh, Frank Caprio was right up there with Lincoln Chafee most of the race, and John Robitaille was down like 15 16%. And the last three weeks, John Robitaille skyrocketed up to like in the 30% range, and Frank Caprio dropped way down to the low 20% range. You know, you could sort of see that coming, but you couldn't really tell until you got the poll in the field and got the results. Uh, so we have seen big shifts in elections. I mean, we also saw in 2000 and, um, uh, 14 in the governor's race, we had the third candidate, Bob Healy. We did a poll early October. He was about 8%, 9%. The last poll I saw in that, another organization did, they had him about 12 or 13%. He ended up with 21%. I personally believe what happened there was you had a lot of people who, first of all, they knew Bob Healy because he was running for lieutenant governor, got 40-some percent of the vote. He was a well-known person in the state of Rhode Island. Uh, and I think you had a lot of voters who said, I don't want to vote for the governor because of things she's done with the pension, like state employees. And they said, but I don't want to vote for a Republican. And they gave Bob Healy the vote. And that skyrocketed him at the last minute. So you do see things like that. If you do a poll very close to the election, you might catch that. When you do a poll five, six weeks out, you may not catch that because those are voters coming around at the last minute saying, I can't vote for any of the two major party candidates. I have to go elsewhere. All right. You mentioned Bob Healy. It's interesting uh, in terms of geography, geographically speaking, yep. how he took the East Bay, well, at least Bristol Warren, right. uh, and 
when you think of polling, are you able to conduct that polling statewide? And do you, are you able to kind of anticipate or, any any strongholds? Well, all, all if the you will? Commu- well, here's the thing: all the communities are included in the poll. But for example, Providence gets a lot more sample than Warren. So you can't just take Warren out and say, well, let's see how he's doing a Warren, because you might be only interviewing six people in the town of Warren. So it's statistically, it means nothing at all. So we don't try to do that type of thing. Yeah. But Bob Healy, if I remember correctly, was in a school committee in Warren. He was very well known in that area, and he became a, you know, a strong figure in that area. So that really helped him down there. But again, it wasn't big population areas where Bob Healy did extremely well. It was Down there, it's a small population area compared to Providence, Cranston, and Warwick. I uh, bumped into Joe Trillo after the debate on Thursday, and I asked him about uh, the poll that had just come out. And you had mentioned that you don't believe the latest polling numbers. You feel like you should poll much higher. I know I'm polling much higher because we got internal polls. Uh, If you go by the public poll that was made by Go Local Prov, they had me between 16 and 18 percent. That was back in June before I even started the campaign. So... You know, I don't know what went on with this poll. I do know the first question they asked is, I want to speak to the youngest voter in the household. That's not my support. What's your response well, to that? the first thing is we asked to speak to the youngest voter who is currently at home. If the youngest voter is 50, 60 years old, we talk to them. And why do we ask the youngest voter? If you have kids in your home, they don't answer the phone. So if you have a 21 to 22-year-old in a house, you want to get them in your sample. You don't want to underrepresent the people under the age of 39. So you have to ask for them. We get more of them when we call the cell phones also. And again, our polling numbers have him at 7 or 8%. The poll we did before was a little bit lower, so he moved up a couple points. But again, I don't know what his internal polling shows. I haven't seen any internal polling from him, but that's what we have him right now. And again... He has a major announcement coming today, so maybe he's going to say something that would move the numbers some. We'll have to see. Candidates or third parties, tend, as we saw in the past with Bob Healy, they tend to move a lot more quicker towards the end. We'll have to see what Jill Trill does to try to move those numbers. Right. It's interesting also in the poll, all three of the other, if you will, alternative candidates right. were at least on, you know, showed some numbers. Dr. Right. Munoz at half a percent. I believe Ann Armstrong at one and a half percent. I think so. Is that right? And I, I think Mr. Gilbert was at one point seven percent. Right. So they're all drawing some votes. Uh, the thing is, like, we did, well, one thing we did was we looked at the Trillo voter, and we compared the Trillo voter and how they rated the governor's job rating. And people who said they're voting for Joe Trillo, sixty-eight percent of them rated the governor's job as poor. So we basically look at those numbers and say, okay, now if Joe Trillo wasn't there, where are those voters going to go? Well, looking at that number, more than likely, they're probably not going to go to Gina Raimondo. They're probably going to go to one of the other candidates, more than likely Alan Fung. And that was one of the comparisons we were trying to make when we, when we talked about the survey results. Those are internal numbers you try to look at. But again, Joe Trill numbers could move. Um, I have no idea. Right. Remains to be seen. It the does mystery. I mean, seen. we're taping this on Thursday morning. Right. We're like two hours away from his big announcement in the parking lot of the campaign headquarters. Here, yeah, I have so. no idea his announcement is. I have no, uh, I don't know if he's announcing Patty Morgan supporting him. I don't know if he's announcing Donald Trump's coming to the campaign for him. Right. No idea at all, but you know, he, he says this and things going to shake up the governor's race. We'll see, you know, see if it does. Yeah, we've seen all kinds of Anthony Gemma's name has been thrown out there. A million dollars of his own money. You know, who knows what? You never know. Anything's possible. Absolutely. Um, with respect to the other two candidates in this race, so you were at, you attended the debate. I'm yep. pretty sure I saw you there. On, yes, on, on, you did. Um, do you feel like uh, Alan Fung was unable to answer some critical questions that might able him to improve his polling numbers? Well, I thought Alan Fung 
our poll shows him down 20% with females. There was a number of questions that night in the debate were female related. One of them was Brett Kavanaugh, and he said he would ask for the investigation. Another one was abortion. And he basically sort of tap dance around the abortion question. And the third question was the, boy, I just drew a blank. What was the third thing? Would you wear the Donald Trump hat? The Do- yes, thank you. Yeah. The Donald Trump hat. Yeah. And he basically tapped dance around, t- talked about how he got the hat. You know, those were not answers that are going to move female voters towards him, I believe. So I think he has to, in the next debates coming up, I think he has to try to refine those answers, have more clear, crisp answers there. The other problem he has with the Donald Trump question is simply, if he distances himself too far from Donald Trump and say he's getting a lot of Donald Trump supporters voting for him right now, they might say, well, if he's bad-mouthing our president, who I strongly support, maybe I won't vote for Funk, and they have an alternative. Joe Trillo, the former Trump campaign chairman. So Alan Funk's sort of in a little quandary there where he has to be careful. If you go too far from Trump, you could push some of those voters to Trillo. If you stay too close to Trump, you may alienate some of your own voters, and they may go elsewhere. Right. Do you feel like the 180,000 Trump voters from... 2016 do you feel like that number is a number that joe trillo can look to that alan funk can look to as as a base or is that more of a phenomenon no that's not a base at all first of all keep in mind it was a presidential election the turnout was a lot higher we're probably talking the turnout this time of maybe three hundred and thirty thousand. i think the turnout last time was probably closer to four hundred thousand. i don't have the numbers on the top of my head but i know in three 2014 it was about three hundred twenty nine thousand. You can't compare who you're voting for president and who you're voting for for governor. They're two different things. And I think people for governor really look at the candidates and make a decision on what they see and how they believe in these candidates uh, will function as the leader of the state of Rhode Island. I mean, could the the Trump numbers help one of the Republicans? It's a possibility. But again, Donald Trump was probably more popular back then in Rhode Island than he is now. Or the question is, was Hillary Clinton unpopular? She still carried the state, but she got less votes than the normal Democrat does. Donald Trump got a few more vote, few more percentage points than the normal Republican. Uh, but now we find his job rating numbers are down at 30% excellent and good. So his numbers are fairly low. So those 30% who are die hard, they could they will probably more than likely divide between, um, or some will go to uh, Trillo, some will go to Fung. I don't know how they would break at this point. You look at the... Uh any other race statewide right now is remotely competitive, in your opinion? It, it doesn't look that way. Uh, we're not polling any other races right now for WPRI, Roger Williams University. Um, the two congressional races have not really generated much interest at all. The Republican candidates have not really been very vocal with TV ads, radio, um, press releases. Uh, the rest of the general offices have not. The Republicans are not even running somebody for attorney general. So there has not been a lot of... Um, interest there at this point it seems like the key two races are governor and u.s senate in rhode island that's what most of the people in rhode island are focusing on right and it, it will be interesting for sure to see as as the you know if a bit more divisiveness comes up in that race you know oh, oh i would think with the governor's race you're going to see a lot more divisiveness i think you'll see a lot more negative commercials for the next four and a half weeks uh usually with these candidates once you start going negative you stay negative. We've been seeing that. And also, I think you're seeing a lot of independent expenditures, outside money coming into the state, uh, trying to defeat Gina Raimondo or defeat Alan Fung. And when they come in to do that, they're not doing positive commercials. They're doing negative commercials. So I think we're going to get a lot of Rhode Islanders over the next four and a half weeks saying, 
you know, I've had enough of this. Right. Let's talk about something positive. But we hear this every two, four years with the negative commercials. Uh, keep in mind, people say, I don't like negative commercials. Well, if they don't work, people wouldn't be running them. They're spending hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars on them. Right. So they must, they must believe they do work. But I do expect a lot more of that uh, between now and November 6th. Yep, that's 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 where we're heading, right? That's oh, yeah. on YouTube, on Instagram as well, bombarded with, Absolutely. with these ads for sure. Yep. Um, the debate exclusion issue that's come up now, Bill Gilbert was able to break through somehow. I right. um, haven't spoken to him about it, how he actually got on the debate that's upcoming on October 15th. The other two candidates have not. Um, Dr. Munoz, Luis Daniel Munoz, has been pretty vocal about this. Mm-hmm. What's your take on that? They're polling. They have an infrastructure. Yeah. I, again, w- w- with the Channel 12 debate, that was a um, corporate decision. They have a structure of what you have to do to qualify to be in the debate. I don't know all the details. That's not my decision. Um, I know the next debate coming up, I think the one that uh, National Public Radio and the Providence Journal sponsoring, uh, Will Gilbert is. Again, keep in mind, Will Gilbert is rep- representing a party in the state around the moderate party, which got 21% of the vote on the ballot last time. So that could be the reason they're saying he's on. But again, each organization has their own criteria, and they make a decision on what they want to do. Um, sometimes you got to keep in mind, if you have six pe- people on the stage, think about the primaries last year on the Republican and Democratic side, you got 16, 17 people on a stage. It's very hard to have a debate when you have numbers like that. Right. It becomes a forum. Exactly. So, I mean, it's up to the organization to make a decision what they believe is a criteria to be in these debates. Right. It's it's a challenge, of course, you know, because you want to open up to more voices. But the, the counterpoint is that exactly what you say that, yeah, you know, it's I, I think everyone's opinion criteria. should be heard, you know. Uh, everyone in there, I mean, it's Dr. Munez. I mean, these are credible people who are running for office and they all want their opinions heard. They may not have as anywhere as much money as some of the other candidates, but this is one way they feel they could be heard. But again, it's up to the organization to decide on what they want to do and the structure they want to set up and the guidelines they have for the debate. Right. Um, how long have you been in Rhode Island? I know you've been polling for 30 years, you said. But... I'm, a, I'm a native Rhode Islander. Oh, grew really? Up, yep. Grew up in Pawtucket. Awesome. You know, I went to school in Rhode Island. So been here my whole life and um, I started doing this part time. I was an educator my mm-hmm. whole career. I was a teacher and then I was a school administrator in the city of Pawtucket for 33 years. Wow. And I was started doing this part time and we got, I got into the polling in 19, around 1984 with a friend of mine who's still around, Scott Wolf. He runs Grow Smart Rhode Island now. Mm-hmm. We had Wolf Fleming and Associates and then he left because he ran for Congress mm-hmm. and um, I just kept on going. So I've been doing it for over 30 years in the state. Amazing. <laughs> You continue, you're going to continue doing it? Uh, for a little while longer. Yeah. I'm cutting back on some things right now, um, but I still enjoy the polling aspect of it. I enjoy working with WPRI-TV. I've been doing work with them since 1984, uh, wow. so it's really nice. Um, you know, Right now, I spend a lot of time with Ted Nisi and Tim White, and I used to work with Tim's father, um, Jack White. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's been great while well, over there at Channel 12. They've been very good to me. Yeah, they, they're... Um, they, they, those two, Nisi and White, and also Dan McGowan, have been on yes. this program, and they've been, uh, you know, extremely gracious. And it seems like they just have a f- the three of them seem to have a lot of fun working they, together. They do you know have I mean? a great deal of fun working together. And let me tell you, they are intense when it comes to debates and stuff. They prepare, prepare, and prepare. They're right on top of everything, and they really get into this stuff, and they really try to analyze it correctly, and they really try to do a good job when they put the polls together and the questions. They try to make sure the questions are really fair and really balanced. So, I mean, they put a lot of time in, and they do an outstanding job, the three of them. 
Yeah, and they, they some nice suits as well. They look good on TV and don't <laughs> yeah. discount that. When it's on television, it should be a production, and they do a great job on that oh, yeah. side of it as well, capturing viewers. But you're right. The preparation oh, is prep. remarkable and it extremely is. academic, and it just, yeah, mm. outstanding work at that. Oh, yeah. That group, that peer group's doing great stuff for the state. No yep. question. Um, what's your take? Last sort of question on the role that sure. Brown University, whatever, the, the, the academic community in Rhode Island. I guess I'm thinking in terms of do these institutions actually want to take a hands-on role in educating Rhode Islanders about their civic process when they have the opportunity to do so you know have you been able yourself to use any of these institutions obviously roger williams is a perfect they're, example they're, te- they're teaming know. up with the, um uh wpri tv for the uh polling and stuff they're co-sponsoring it um i know in the past um we've wpri had po- debates down at uri so the students can be involved in them past we've had them at roger williams even when they weren't teamed up with them mm-hmm. um but I think, you know, like Brown University, a number of years back, used to do a lot of polling in the state of Rhode Island and get their input there. They haven't done that in the last few years. Um, I don't know if they're going to start doing that again. They've done some more national stuff, nothing locally. Um, Rhode Island College, a number of years back, used to do some polling and stuff many years ago uh, on the races and do a lot of government forum type things during the campaign time. Um, I haven't seen too much of that right now. Um, I know at Bryant College, they have the Hassenfeld Institution, uh, which I've done some polling for for them. It's at Bryant. I don't know how tied it is into Bryant, mm-hmm. but um, those are the things that I know of with they're doing some stuff in the state. And I mean, the colleges all want to have input on what goes on. The question is, do they have the structure to do all that? Right. Whereas you as an individual do have that structure right. yeah, to do I, that. I, I do it as a business, small business, I should say. As always, thanks for listening to the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Be sure to find us on BartholomewTown.com. Until next time, we'll see you soon.